Krayshaw forcing Nicholas Adin to play this one off to make the last shot of this one to win the game a 5-4 Sweden lead watching this one come in need to get this to the heart of the rings to win this game and right to the button as the Olympic silver medalist from 2018 start off with a victory they beat China in a well played game both sides back and forth it went but in the end it was the draw for the victory for Sweden Okay, everybody, there you have it. More curling coming your way. That was uh, the men's draws underway. The women's is coming up. The mixed doubles is in the bag. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to Inside Curling's Daily Draw, presented by CoolBet for Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. That was a little clip of uh, Sweden, Adin. little final draw there. CoolBet is a proud sponsor of curling and, frankly, all things ice-related. The logo is a polar bear, after all. If you love sports, make sure you join the thousands of people already enjoying life inside the CoolBet community. So we've been bringing you this each and every day. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. Up to now, it's been me, Kevin and Warren, the studs, really, of podcast curling. Kevin is now the walking dead, okay, because he's had about six minutes sleep, I think, Warren, okay, in the last week. (laughs) One more minute than I've had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, both of you. So we gave Kevin the day off, so we had to pick someone. We're bringing on Olympic gold medalist 2010 with Kevin, 2008 world champion, 13 Briar appearances, four-time Briar champion, and he was voted the greatest male lead of Canadian curling. Our guest this morning, Ben Hebert joins us. How are you, Ben? Hey, boys. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. A little, uh, little, little bit of curling going on, so lots to talk about. Yeah, there is lots to talk about. Uh, unbelievable stats, of course, that you have. You know, we get to hear from Olympians and they try and put into words, whether they win or not, or whether they medal or not, how overwhelming it is for them to be at the Olympics. You've done it all, world champion, Briars, and Olympic gold. Can you, can you remember back then, Ben, when you ended up in Vancouver and realizing you guys were going to play at the Olympics? What's the biggest thing that stuck out to you when, when you did arrive in Vancouver or, or putting the whole two weeks in perspective? Yeah, I think looking back on it, I mean, that was a long time ago, but um, the biggest difference I found was playing for the bigger team Canada, not playing just for the curling side of team Canada, playing for all the other athletes. I always find when I've been to world championships representing Canada, you know, you are representing your country and you're representing Canada, but I find you're representing the curling community, find it more of a curling pressure than anything else. And I found at the Olympic games, it was a, it was a nationwide pressure. It wasn't, you're not just having curling fans watching the world championships, right? You're having sports fans watching. And there's a heck of a lot of sports fans in Canada, a lot more than there is just curling. So you can feel that as a player. You know, when you roll into the village and you're in the small little, like, like I'll, I'll use bubble as a term, even though it wasn't a bubble back then, but you're still in an Olympic bubble. You know, you're with all the athletes, all the coaches, all the people that, uh, you know, work their tails off to get there, you know, hearing their stories about how they got to the games and what they overcame. And the players over there right now, I mean, maybe a little bit of a different vibe with the current situation, but you know, they're probably having the time of their lives. I've seen a few things on social media, of them taking some pics and enjoying their time. And, right. you know, I think they're going to, uh, I think they're all going to do well. There's so much stress and pressure that goes on uh, uh, representing your country. It doesn't matter if it's world championships or Olympics, but man, those two weeks, uh, they go by fast and hope they get to do some fun stuff and have some great memories. Cause you know, 2010, we won, obviously Olympics was amazing in Canada, cherry on top. We win the gold. Right. 2018, we didn't win, 
you know, tough, tough to swallow and it hurt. But I look back at those games and see some pictures of family and friends and the experiences there that we got. And it was an amazing trip as well. How are you spending your time now between now and the Briar? I mean, there's obviously a bunch of curling on. Walk us through that for you over the next several weeks. Yeah, I had a unique little experience uh, last this past weekend for Curling Day in Canada. We got to play an outdoor game at Mosaic Stadium where I grew up in Regina. That was a lot of fun with Team Cooey. We played team, team Dunstone on uh, outdoor natural ice, curled about 10%, but uh, <laughs> ton of fun. It was, uh, it was snowing. We got to play, stayed in the rider dressing room, and that was a unique experience. You know, someone at my age, I don't get to experience new things too often because I've, I've done everything, it seems. Right. But that was a lot of fun. Took me back to kind of like old school fun junior curling days. And that was great. And now uh, now our focus shifts to the Briar. We're really looking forward to the, the hometown Briar here in Lethbridge, being Team Alberta. You know, having that early qualification gave us a lot of time off here to prep and get ready. And Team Cooey's always ready for the Briars. So we're going to be working hard and getting a lot of practice in at the Glencoe here and get ready to put on a show because we'd love to finish the season with uh, with a Briar win, and I think we have a good opportunity. Right on. Uh, we're going to put you to work today. Uh, what we've been doing through these shows is giving a wrap on the games and then, uh, as importantly, because everyone can lay down a few bucks, you know, through uh, Cool Bet, we get Warren and Kevin's predictions. But today we're going to get yours. Are you betting on the games? I've dabbled. <laughs> I got killed at the Scotties. So let's get to it, Warren. The men's is underway. Uh, started last night. Uh, there were four games, including the all-important game, of course, is Brad Guju's there. So what happened, Warren? Uh, what shook down last night? Well, first of all, everyone was on the ice except Italy and Great Britain, which I guess Italy with Masson are playing third. We're glad to have the rest. Anyway, our game that everyone would be interested in is Kando versus Denmark, a team we haven't heard a lot about. The skip is Mads Norgad, but third player Mikael Kraus throws the final rock. The first half of the game was a pretty tight score. After five ends, five to four in Canada's favor, on a strength of three that they scored in the fourth end, the sixth was a big end for Canada. Kraus tried an angle-raised double for a possible three. He missed it. Canada steals two and goes in front seven to four. In the seventh, Gushu makes a great hit and roll. Kraus plays another double, gets a single. Canada's now in front 7-5. to five. But the eighth was the end of it. Gushu made a last rock double takeout for three. Score went to 10-5, and Denmark conceded. Pretty good game for Canada. Je- Jeff Walker was the high man on the ice. He was at 95%. I think he was the highest score of anybody out there today on all four sheets. And Gushu was a very respectable 80%. The other game I think that uh, everyone would be interested in, in particular as we have a lot of listeners in the USA, would be the USA game against the Russian Olympic Committee team. Tight game. After five ends, it was 3-2 to two in favor of Russia. Schuster makes a great freeze. ROC wrecks in the USA, steals one, ties the score at 3-3. ROC hits and stays, looking at two USA counters in the seventh, and now it's 4-3 to three in favor of ROC. The eighth was the big end. This is the one that made the difference. With his final stone, Schuster makes a chip in on a front stone rock to put two rocks in the 12-foot, gets a deuce, goes ahead 5-4. to four. ROC blanks the end in number 9. In the 10th, Schuster makes a great raise on the button. ROC wrecks in the front, and now a measure to see who scores the single. ROC wins it. It goes into an extra. Schuster with a hammer in the 11th. Hits the forefoot with his final score of 6-5. Great game. USA played well. Scores were all in the 80s. Plies was the highest at 85. Hamilton was 85. And Schuster was at 80. China played Sweden. China's somewhat of an unknown team to us, again, from the host country. But they played pretty well. 
Sweden won this game with a last truck draw of the forefoot 6-4, but it wasn't an easy one for them by any means. The one other game on the ice, Norway against Switzerland, maybe a little bit of a surprise. Benoit Swartz didn't play that well for Switzerland today. They lost that game to Norway 7-4, and as I look at the percentages, uh, the team was all in the 80s. Swartz himself was a little lower, so that was maybe the difference. And so after one draw, the wins go to Canada, USA, Switzerland, and Norway. Yeah, so no easy games so far. Again, just like the mixed doubles. I mean, we couldn't suggest that Italy and Britain are going to be any weaker than the other eight teams in the ice. So I think, again, it's going to be a dogfight. Anybody's going to be able to qualify. Warren, you you guys made predictions yesterday uh, on some games. How did you and Kevin fare? Uh, People are leaning on you guys, Warren, now that uh, we've got CoolBet on board. Give us a wrap on that. Well, I think it's kind of interesting. I think in the game between Canada and Denmark, we both picked Canada. Between USA and the ROC, I picked the USA, he picked the ROC. The game between Norway and Switzerland, he picked Switzerland, I picked Norway. Between China and Sweden, I believe I picked Sweden, so did he. That's the way it settled from yesterday. On the four games then, what was your record? I think we were both one off. Uh, I stepped down, by the way. Okay, Ben, I don't do my picks anymore because I was so good. It was uh, it was showing up, Kevin and Warren. So, uh, Benny Boy, let's talk to you. The mixed doubles was unbelievable. The great story was Italy, of course. And then, unfortunately for us in Canada, it was a, a loss in the last game for Homan and, and Morris. So they didn't get into the playoffs. And then this massive discussion, and a lot of it was that they were set up for the kill, Morris and Homan, that, that they didn't have enough time to prep. Everyone's calling into question, is Curling Canada not doing what they should do, and all this jazz. I'm sure you heard some of that, Ben. What's your take on it? Well, I mean, I I didn't get to see, obviously, with the time change, uh, every single game. But, you know, being a teammate of John and good friend of Rachel, you know, I was certainly dialed in as much as I could be. I mean, a couple of things. The reality of what the random, you know, non-curling people think on the internet. I mean, just you can just delete all that uh, because that's nonsense. But um, right. Um, the reality is, you know, I, I, I can say, I I can say, use my experience as an example, you know, when we won the trials in 2010 to go to Vancouver and win the Olympics, Curling Canada was helpful. You know, they set us up. The trials were at a certain time. They got houses for our families. They got us tickets. We won the Olympics because of the four players on the ice. That's why we won the Olympics. It had nothing to do with Curling Canada. Let's be clear. 2018, we win the trials. Kevin Cooey, same amount of time to prep. Curling Canada helped us out, got us tickets, organized, coordination, all the action. We lost. Had nothing to do with Curling Canada. Right. We lost because of the four people on the ice. So the people that are like throwing stones at Curling Canada for this and that and when the trials was, like, listen, they don't make or break our wins for us. Not right now. Not currently today with our current setup of of funding and what they do or how we get to the Olympics through qualification. Now, do I think changes are coming to Curling Canada where they might start investing a little bit more into high performance and taking more of a bigger role in our wins and losses? I do believe that is coming. But the current makeup of what they do right now, players need to take some accountability. Straight up. We know we know our program. We get what we get. And when we won, we earned it. When we lost, we earned it. So, I have no blame at Curling Canada. Now, they also were put in a little bit of a crazy position this year with having the trials and the COVID or whatever the hell was going on and had to cancel, right? So they picked the right team. I don't think there was even another team they could have considered picking, to be honest with you, in, in that situation. 
They took the two best players. They took the defending champ and they took the best player in mixed doubles history and they put them on the ice for our country. I got no argument with who they picked. John and Rachel were prepared. John and Rachel had three weeks in Canmore, prepping, practicing. The best John Morris I ever see when I, when I curl with him is when he's dialed in and he puts in a lot of time and practices. Because, I mean, I don't care what Johnny says. Sometimes he doesn't do it. <laughs> he's that good, right? So, so when Johnny's prepped and he's putting in the time, you know, he's arguably the, not the best third in the world. He's maybe the best curler of all time, right? So I know that they were dialed in. They had great coaching and support from Scott Pfeiffer. And they wanted to be there. And I think the pressure of going to the Olympic Games is, is astronomical for a team that qualifies to go. I felt it twice. The pressure of a team that gets chosen to go in that situation, way higher than I could ever imagine. And no, they didn't win. And so, yeah, there's going to be the naysayers pointing fingers. And hey, other teams could have went there and qualified for the playoffs and won. I'm not saying that. It's a curling bond spiel, whoever gets hot. But I don't think there's any other curlers that, that would understand the pressure that would have on you going there, being chosen. And I think that's another reason that they took John and Rachel is they knew John could handle that. And I think Rachel as well. Now, they lost. I don't think it was a because of the time they got picked in. They were the wrong players. They weren't prepared. Curling Canada didn't help them out. I think their mechanics were good. They were throwing a lot of rocks. They were, they were ready to roll. The field was very, very tough from what I saw. I mean, call it what it was. When John and Caitlin won... That was a Mickey Mouse field. It was going to be hard for them to lose that event. Mm-hmm. And I think if the field was the same with John and Rachel this time, they'd still be standing on the top of it. The field was deep. The teams were very, very good. They practiced that game and they played well. But the games that I saw early in the week, I thought John was struggling and I thought Rachel was amazing. I thought she really, really played good. And then the last three games I saw, I saw John cranking it up a notch and I saw Rachel struggling. I just felt like they couldn't get it going at the same time. They both they both had moments of brilliance. I think that the teams that beat them were just a little bit more consistent. I actually don't think any of those teams are better than John and Rachel. Like they were just more consistent throughout the week. They didn't have the highs and the lows. You know, I saw people cranky about that last rock that Rachel missed the pinhole. Like that was a really tough shot. Yeah. Especially in the situation, that was a really tough shot. Like, oh, we had backing. They had like a quarter inch of a rock of side backing very very tough shot they needed to beat the australians and then you know rachel's got to make that last one in eight you know the johnny makes the triple in eight rachel has that come around the one top 12 to the back eight rachel probably makes that eight out of ten she makes that they're in the playoffs i feel for them you know those are two of my really good friends in the sport obviously johnny's my teammate i got all the respect in the world for rachel disappointing you know no one's going to be more disappointing than them mm-hmm. you know they got to live with that they're going to have that knot in their stomach for however long you know I still get upset of losing that semifinal game in Pyeongchang that we definitely should have won mm-hmm. and uh yeah it sucks but you know the finger pointing at whose fault it was and yada yada it's ridiculous I mean we sent our best team John and Rachel aren't going to make excuses and say you know and I'll tell you right now John would think the same as me where John didn't win the Olympics in Pyeongchang and mixed doubles because of winning the trials or Curling Canada picking him or all the things they did for him. Curling Canada took care of Rachel and John, set him up for success, and uh, they just had to perform better. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. The timing of the trials for four-person and the timing of trials for mixed doubles. When do you think the best time is for those things to happen? I mean, this year with the trials, the last week in November, you know, to give Brad eight, nine full weeks to go over, I like that better than middle of December because 
Christmas is kind of a bit of a blur, right? Especially if you know you got family and kids, you kind of take a week there. I don't mind the trials when they are. I certainly like them the year of the Olympics. I don't like qualifying them the year prior. I think that takes a lot of energy out of our sport for every single other team involved in Canada. You know, I'm a big supporter for curling in general. I know the Olympics is going on right now and it's the big dance. And hey, I've been fortunate enough to go to two of them. I know how big it is. Grand Slams are big. Briar's big. World Championships are big. So to bury the whole next season based off the two Olympic teams going because that's the big feather in the cap, I'd like to give everybody the opportunity uh, that, that year still to win. And I also don't like throwing every other event out the window. You know, I'm going to the Briar here in, you know, four weeks. And I know we, did, we our goal was to win the trials. I'd love to be at the Olympics, but we're just as dialed for this Briar as any other Briar. I'm not going to downplay it because it's an Olympic year. You know, those are big events. Those are major events. And then we have two great Grand Slams to finish the season. So I think it puts too much emphasis on one or, well, I guess it'd be two teams or three teams, right? The mixed doubles, the, the women's and the men's and takes away from a really good curling season uh, all around. So the timing of mixed doubles, I think, is that one is too tight with uh, what they've done this past year. Yeah, they, they, they should probably move that back. So I think the other question that comes in here is, can you play in both? So the United States, I think, to some degree has it right, because they do their mixed doubles trials before they do the four-person trials, but then they can play in both, both events if they choose to. What do you think that should be? Should you be able to go in both if you want to? If Curling Canada wanted to make the rule that if you wanted to play both or if you qualified for both, you could play, I see no problem with that. I don't know a lot of players that would play both or would want to play both. I don't know a lot of teammates that would want their teammates playing in both. I'll tell you right now, if we were the men's team and John qualified for the mixed doubles, he wouldn't be playing the mixed doubles. Wow. Not like not like me and Kevin Cooey are the bosses, but Johnny doesn't, you know, that's a that mixed doubles is a hard sport. Very, very hard sport. It's fast, it's quick, it's physical. You get one day off in between. That's a lot of sweeping. If I'm your teammate and I'm sweeping with you for 10 days and we're all practicing leading up and you're not with us for the first nine days of training because you're playing mixed doubles and then you come into game one sore and you're hurting and people have to pick up the slack, I don't like it. I'd rather personally have the practice and prep with my team, all four of us be there together and all feeling fresh and have the same goal in mind. I think... I think the, the the end to that spiel, watching Bruce leak oil the way he did, I think that could maybe, I thought about, that could maybe affect him going into the men's with his confidence because he's been winning everything and he's been playing 90 to 95% at skip all season, playing great. Going into the men's, if he didn't take a few on the chin there in mixed doubles, he would have had that uber confidence going you know, chest out swagger, mow at the Bruce or whatever the hell they call him. You know, he's been having such a great, that, that doubt doesn't seep into his mind because he's been dominating and they're the, they're the favorites heading in, but him taking a few lumps there towards the end of that mixed doubles, my mind would be like, you know, you know, I am human and maybe I'm not invincible, you know, and I think that that might affect him. So here's the thing we're about to find out because if they're not in that gold medal game playing for gold or silver, major disappointment for them after the last two seasons they've had. Right. And if they are, if they don't, I'll, I'll single handedly attribute it to playing in the mixed doubles and gas in your skip. But some of these countries, you got to understand Canada's deep enough that we don't have to send our men's and women's teams to mixed doubles. We're deep enough guys. Mm -hmm. Some of these other countries aren't, 
So for them to send the teams they send, there's, there's rhyme and reason behind that. The more athletes we can send to have that experience and, and to say, I got to go to one of the games in Beijing and I got to be, you know, take my picture with the rings. That's a special thing for someone to double dip on that and take it away from someone else who's also a very, very good player or team. I'd like to see the more athletes go the better in curling for us. You know, we really want you to give us your opinions, Ben, on this stuff, okay? Don't, you know, you're holding back a little bit. <laughs> Don't hold okay? back. If you want the truth, you got the right guy, okay? Yeah, right on. I suspect the biggest change in curling, Ben, since you've been, been curling at a high level is all the other countries have gotten way better. You make the point. They're, you know, they're really deep, but they're not winning everything in sight. Can you put your finger on why that has happened? How did they get better? Are they doing something different than, than Canadian teams? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely doing something different. You know, the way they run their national team program where they pick, you know, one, maybe sometimes two teams, and they invest all their uh, all their funds and time and energy into those teams to make them great teams. Those teams are great. You know, I think, you know, people harp on Curling Canada about, you know, the way they run this program, the way they ran this program, etc. Guys, Curling Canada didn't need to switch to damn program. We dominated for so many years. Why would you change? And I, I don't look at the association as a... They're not massive forward thinking. They're a bit reactive, but they're not, they're not dumb. There's smart people in there. I think they see what's happening. I think you're going to see the national team program change. I think you're going to see Curling Canada spend some money on their high performance. Curling Canada had no need to change because we were doing well. And then 2018, we lost. 21 last year, you know, Kerry got sixth at the Worlds. Botcher got sixth at the Worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, we're slipping a bit. We haven't changed anything from our governing body on, on the support side of it. So... I think what these other teams are doing when they say, you know, we're taking four, eight athletes, we're going to fund them all, we're going to turn them into full-time players, training, throwing rocks, coaching, video, we don't have that. If we have it, we do it on our own. We do it with our own sponsors that we have to go out and chase. But I think, uh, I think that's going to change. I think Curling Canada is going to really start rewarding the teams right. that are putting in the work and putting in the time and want to be full-time curlers to, to get to the top of the podium and to, to surpass Hasselberg and Elena Pats and Adine and Moet. I mean, guys, my team Cooey could go beat Adine and Moet any given day. Mm-hmm. So could Brad Gushu. You know, so could Brad Jacobs. But consistently, we have a hard time keeping up with the stuff that they're doing every single day. Yeah, good point. So uh, what do you think is going to happen in the Olympics this year? Uh, if you got to pick the four finalists, for example, um, who are you picking? Well, I'm taking the top three favorites for sure. I'm taking Adine, Moet, and Gushu. And I think it's a coin toss between the three of them. <clears throat> I think they're both, I think all three of them are really, really good teams. And I have no clue. I don't really have an opinion on the three because I think they're all pretty equal, to be honest with you. Right. And the fourth spot, I think, is wide open. I have no clue who it's going to be. But I'd be very, very shocked if those top three teams weren't in the playoffs. I mean, anything can happen in the Olympics. Schuster won, for God's sakes. <laughs> I think it depends on ice conditions. I need to see how the ice looks. We want to see if, if the ice is really good. Gold, silver, bronze is those three teams. Okay. They're just they're too good. They're too strong. They're too prepared. I don't know, man. I, I honestly have no prediction because I think it could be either color for all three of them. But if the ice isn't good and it gets tricky and Hansi's up to his airflow, whatever the hell issues he has going on there is... <laughs> is typical thing, then I think it opens up the door for some upsets. All right. Hey, what about the women's? I got Switzerland winning gold. Yep. That Elena Patz is just full killer. I think she's uh, I think she's the best curler in the world on the women's game. She's awesome. 
I got Jen Jones getting silver. I think Jen's team is very, very good. I think the the three people in front of her, as good as anyone in the game today at those positions. And I think Jen herself kind of gets amped up for the big events. You might not see that consistency out of Jen anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a little bit older. She's she's done everything there is to win. You know, I've played with a skip like that in the past who maybe is on this podcast or not. And and I think though the big games and the big events she can she can get up for. And I think they're gonna have a good week. And I got her winning a medal. We'll put her at silver. And I want to say Hasselberg because I still think they're uh, as good of a team uh, as anybody here. Haven't had as good of a season. You know, they've been struggling a little bit. I know they've had a couple injuries. They had a little little COVID issue at the start of this week. But uh, I'll go with an upset and I'll say USA gets bronze. Yeah, that's a good team. we got a bunch of other games happening. The draws are well underway. We'll get you guys to give us your picks for the next draws. We'll be right back. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Uh, we are joined by our guest who has more hardware than anybody in curling. Uh, but if the sport ever needed, uh, do you like this title, Ben Hebert? Uh, if they ever needed a lively guy, a personality, that's, that's, big, that's big pressure. That's more than winning a gold where they come on and go, okay, Ben, ben Hebert's the best character ever to be in curling. Do you like that handle? I don't think everybody would say that, you know. <laughs> take, you got to take the good with the bad. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, we got some... Uh, Draws that we want your predictions on. The women's uh, first draw. Uh, you can bang these off. I'll give you the games. Great Britain is playing Switzerland. I don't know either team. Who are they? Okay, D- uh, Denmark against China. I'll take the I'll take the hometown team, hometown crowd. Okay, go with China then. I'll fill in for you. Sweden and Japan. Sweden. ROC against the US. USA. After you gave Schuster a little zinger there. <laughs> well, that, those are women's, right? Come on, man. That Tabitha Peterson's a player. <laughs> uh, the, the quote of the show anyone can win the olympics for god's sakes john schuster did <laughs> hey i'm allowed to zing him he beat me <laughs> okay Warren, let's get yours for the women's draw and then we'll bang off the other two uh great britain switzerland i'm gonna have to pick switzerland i think pats is is going to be uh outstanding as she has been of recent uh in the second one denmark versus china um i'm gonna go with china madeline dupont uh i i don't think but who knows? But I think China will probably come in there, even though I don't know the team. Uh, I think Sweden will will take Japan, and uh, USA will be over Russia. Men's draw number two, USA versus Sweden. Good one there. I'm taking Sweden, even though old Schusty Cakes has uh, Sweden's number for some reason. Schuster has not been consistently great, I don't think, over the last couple of years. And I think Sweden, I think Nicholas probably has a little chip on his shoulder from... Uh, from the USA knocking them off the last games, and I'm just going with the better team. What did you call them? Schusty Cakes? Schusty Cakes, yeah. <laughs> Schusty Cakes. Norway and Canada, careful now. Oh, no no contest. Gushu might lose a couple games. Like, there's a good field here, but it ain't going to be to Norway. Uh, China against ROC, Russian Olympic Committee. ROC. Mowit 
and Italy. Man, like, well, I'm taking Moet. You know, they're the number one team in the world, but that Italy team's impressive. So I knew, I, I saw that, uh, is it Amos? From the mixed doubles, Mozaner? He's awesome. I remember playing him 2018 Olympics and then 2019 Worlds, and I thought he was a great player then. He's huge. He's getting more experience. He's obviously making a ton of shots. I think Italy could, I think Italy's a very good pick to finish, uh, to get in the playoffs with these other three teams that I took. Well, the guy's arm, this guy's about 70 feet tall. His, his arm can reach the other hog line. It's like crazy. Warren, what about you? First game, U.S.-Sweden. Well, after watching the U.S. this morning and the way they shot, uh, I will pick Schuster over Sweden. I, I think they seem to have it together, but All right. we'll see. Canada, of course, over Norway, I think that will be a given. Uh, ROC this morning again, uh, Glukov, they played very well. Um, and the China team is on no one, so I've got to go with them. Great Britain, Italy. Well, I guess we'll find out in that game to some degree uh, because that will be Mawat's first game, I believe, how the mixed doubles impacted him because he's got a very formidable foe there, but I, I'm still going to go with Mawat. Okay, Ben, uh, one more draw. The women's second draw comes up uh, later on. Canada and Korea. Canada. Canada. Sweden and Great Britain. Hasselberg, Sweden. Okay, there we go. And uh, U.S. against Denmark. USA. China, Switzerland. Switzerland all day. Swiss all day. Okay. What about you, Warren? I think I pretty much agree with Ben. Canada over Korea, Sweden over Great Britain, USA over Denmark, and Switzerland over China. That's the free money. <laughs> Before we let you go, Ben, what's what's Brad doing that nobody else is doing? Brad Gusha, what a long run this guy's having. Of course, he's gonna. You know, he's at the Olympics. He's our guy. Uh, what what made that team so good? Oh, they got. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, they're strong. I think. I think. Uh, I mean, Brad's a great player. Been a great player for a long time. Obviously, as one of one of the best front ends in the world, Mark Nichols' game is is really good. I think they work hard. They got a good program with with youth and veteran leadership on that team. I think their goals they all have the same goals. You know, they're committed to doing the same stuff. I think the three of them being out there in Newfoundland and being able to put the work in together is is certainly showing. I think uh, that's the one thing when you see Sweden and Scotland doing all the time practicing as a team. That's the one thing Team Gushu does very well is get get all four guys together and, and certainly the three of them uh, with Jeff being out right. in Alberta. And I think uh, more than anything, you know, I don't think Brad Gushu's team's high game, like their ceiling game, you know, maybe it's not as good as Brad Jacobs. Maybe it's not as good as Kevin Cooey's because, you know, he, he's missing a few weapons in the, in his arsenal. But his mm. consistent game is is unmatched. You know, he doesn't have a lot of bad games. You know, he might not fire a 95 or 97 a whole bunch but he's always between 88 and 92 and when you're skipping right. that's very very tough to beat you know really consistent you know obviously knows the game his experience has come in and I think uh you know Brad was hurt there for a couple of years and I think you saw it because their team didn't have very good success there for a few years and looks pretty healthy and I and you know he's, he's playing well so I think uh you know hey we lost to them and and we were in that trials with a good chance to go we finished third but uh you know, for, for my opinion, I mean, I play against them. I think they, they were the best team this year. They were the best team at that event. And so, you know, they're, they were the best team. They're the best rep we got right now. They're playing the best and they're going to have a good shot to win. Uh, not everyone's picking Canada. Uh, some of the, uh, you know, the betting sites, they some of them don't have Canada winning a medal at all. So, uh, Ben Hebert, thanks a lot, man, for coming on. Uh, thank you for your picks. Okay, by the way, go over to Cool Bet. They're a proud sponsor of curling and, uh, frankly, all things ice-related. The logo's a polar bear, after all. If you love sports, make sure you join the thousands of people already enjoying life inside the Cool Bet community. Thanks a lot, Ben.
Take it easy, man. Take it easy. Thanks, Benny. Uh, so there we go, Warren. Uh, you've organized curling. You've been around curling your whole life, uh, Warren. Uh, ben Hebert, great guy to have involved, isn't he, in this game? I mean, uh, I love his opinions, whether you agree with them or not. There's one thing you'll never accuse Benny of is sitting on the fence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll know where he stands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, but, but he's credible, right? He's credible. So uh, there you go. If you're feeling so inclined, why don't you whip over to the Cool Bet uh, website and throw down a wager. You heard our predictions. We do this each and every day all through the Olympics. Uh, it's called the Daily Draw. Uh, by the way, uh, before you take off, uh, everybody, Jonathan Brazo, one of the great people behind the scenes here working on this, uh, writes a daily piece, Warren. It's pretty cool. Go to Sportsnet. It's called Eight Ends. I've been reading it. This guy knows what he's talking about. So check that out, everybody. Thanks a lot for everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. We're getting a lot of response from people. Uh, send us an email, insidecurling at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Check out our Facebook page and our Facebook group. Thanks a lot to Rod Paulson for handling that. It's live. Tons, tons of action on that and lots of opinions. So there you have it, Warren. Uh, another day for you. When do you get a day off, Warren? When do you? I think uh, almost told me Saturday that uh, I'll have a day off. At, uh, okay, good. Kevin will be back with us tomorrow, so he'll be well-rested and full of vim and vigor. Right, right on. Okay, take it easy, Warren, and uh, we'll talk to everyone tomorrow. You've been listening to Daily Draw, a special episode from Inside Curly. See you later, everybody. Thanks, Jim. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.